Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast. Established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher. Addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Once again, my name is Dallas here, joining you with another amazing guest, Henry Wannery. Henry, it's such a pleasure to have you today. How are you? Thank you very much, uh, Dallas. I'm very good. How about you? I'm not too bad. Today has been a a pretty great day, I would say, so far. Today, we're going to talk about your recently released book, The Heart of a True Lover, an exposition of the Song of Solomon. And I think that this is a very intriguing book. As you can see just from the first synopsis of the book here, that this is not just a relationship book, but it's a book that we need to solve many different things in our life. And I think that this is this is an amazing thing. We need to focus more on relationships. We need to be closer to God in relationship as well. And so I'm really excited for all the things you're bringing to our audience today. And of course, we always love to give our guests the opportunity to share their Christian testimony. And so, Henry, go ahead. Just tell us a little bit about your faith, why you're following Jesus today, and how that changed your life moving forward. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Uh, My name is Henry. I gave my life to Christ um, um, 89, September 23rd. And um, I've just been a lover of Christ ever since. Um, it was a little bit of a dramatic situation. I was in uh, high school and um, my friend had told me about a dancing competition and I was a dancer then. I was a break dancer. I was, uh, wow. I was a, a King Todd popper and I was everything, floor business. I was into all of that. And um, he told me about this dancing competition and he told me who was all enrolled. And I figured at least I'd be second or third. And the second or third prize was... Uh, then back way back uh, then it was a lot of money it was about a thousand naira which was almost five times what my dad would give me for one year in school so you can imagine if I was going to go and dance and win so that kind of pushed me to go to to go to the school fellowship where the students in the school would meet every evening from 7 to 9 p.m and and just pray and worship and I never ever went because I mocked them and laughed at them and I, I didn't think Jesus was anything important but because I wanted to win that prize you know in the dancing competition I decided to go and attend fellowship and I got there sat down and I remember the guy who was speaking he said uh, let us pray and I just collapsed on my chair and then the next time I woke up he was saying let us pray again at the end of his message but in between that one hour message uh, when I woke up I saw legs all over me you know uh, I was on the ground and people were praying and, you know, stretching out their hands over me. It felt awkward and weird. And, you know, um, I remember there was a girl that I was, uh, I had a crush on. And then I looked up and she was there, her head stretched out, praying over me. And, and but that was it. I was a little boy at that time. And it was just amazing. Uh, the Lord touched me. I was crying all night. Of course, I didn't go for the dancing competition. Um, that was a Wednesday night. And I cried until Friday. 
Uh, I didn't attend classes when Thursday and Friday. So Friday, they decided evening, Friday around 6 p.m., they decided to take me to one of the teachers in the school. You know, he, we call him a senior friend. Um, he was like a guardian for all the Christians in school. So they said, oh, we don't know what's happening with this guy. He's just been crying all day, all night, for two day, three days. So he was frying his eggs. I'll never forget it. He was frying eggs 26, 26th of uh, September. And he was frying his eggs and the whole house was, you know, smelling good, uh, good fried eggs. And we walked in and he said, okay, let me finish my eggs. And then when I sat down, I collapsed again and I was just praying. And then all of a sudden I started praying in the Holy Spirit. And he runs out of his kitchen and he's like whoa what's going on and everybody about six people who came with me brought me there all were on the ground everybody we were all praying in tongues and that became a revival so in his house we would meet every evening from six and soon he had to move it because there was no room and stuff like that but that's how I gave my life to Christ and 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 the testimony was spreading and it was it was just it was amazing and I've been a lover of Christ like I said since then I got ordained into ministry about um, three months after that because they felt the hand of the Lord was on me. I was a little kid, but um, I was an evangelist and uh, traveling and preaching and telling my testimony and all around the city and and going to bigger places and you know and 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 that was it. So um, finally, got called into full time ministry August uh, 1991, which was uh, three two years later, and. Um, um, came to Canada in 2000 and uh, planted a church in 2011. And I'm now in Atlanta, planted another ministry just uh, early this year. So that's been it. What an encounter. Why do you think that God gave you this specific encounter? Because there's so many different types of encounters that we have with the Lord, right? Audible voice, prophetic insight, all of these different ways. Why do you think this was the one he chose for you? So first of all, his, um, his sovereignty God chooses to do what he wants to do, how he does it, when he does it, where he does it. That's, and sometimes we can never, ever understand all of it. Um, it's like I was telling someone early this morning, I said, uh, what's the highest dimensions we see now? Technically, it's about six dimensions. So if you go to movies now, there are 6D movie theaters where things pop out of the screen and you can really see you know, but like 12, 15 years ago, we had only two dimensions. And and when we could only see in two dimensions, you could almost swear that there was no other way you could see four dimensions. It's like when you throw a die on a table, you're technically seeing only two phases of it. But now you can see three phases of it if you shift a little bit. But imagine if you can see six phases of the dice. That's how God sees. So we stand and see only one or two phases, but God can stand and see six phases. We can never, ever tell all he has in mind but one more thing i can say about why he gave uh why he called me with that kind of encounter is there's something else about how god calls his servants mm. because how he calls his servant is important to how he's going to use them or what he's calling them to do and, and always such dramatic calls usually means a drastic switch from where you are. So it's like, it's not a, it's not a left turn or a right turn. Dramatic and um, encounters always means a total 180 turn around. And, and that is the only thing that can change us. That can, you know, and, and you know, when he says, I'll give you a heart of flesh and take away the heart of stone, sometimes it's gradual, it's gradual, but when it's automatic, you know, then he wants an immediate turnaround. And I think that that's one of the things the Lord wanted to do. I also think lastly that uh, for me, I started out as an evangelist because that's what I thought I was. I was going to go around talking about Jesus Christ. My testimony was a lot of it, you know, 
but then I discovered there was more to it. There was a prophetic call upon my life. And, and so I've always discovered that uh, most prophets are called a little bit of a dramatic way, you know, and, and um, maybe that's why he chose to do it the way he did it with me. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. Now I feel like we know you a little bit better and we can dive a little bit deeper into this book. You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. One of the most effective ways to talk about Jesus is through storytelling. Stories help us to reach people in an inviting way that is relatable rather than abstract or distant. Bradley Kelly's storytelling jewelry is crafted for this distinct purpose. Their aesthetic Christian jewelry is handcast and finished, made in the USA. Their in-house designs are crafted to uncover real emotions and start those life-changing conversations. Find Bradley Kelly Jewelry at bradleykelly.com. That is B-R-A-D-L-E-Y-K-E-L-L-I-E.com. The Dwelling Place Lounge is in partnership with the social media ministry for the Dwelling Place Church in Anchorage, Alaska. In the lounge, they weekly discuss each Sunday's message and go further in depth and reflect on the powerful message given. You will be listening to their campus senior pastor, Peach Jones, along with co-host Ray Daniel for further learning in a fun and laid-back podcast style. Find more information by searching thedwellingplaceak.com. Let me ask as well, is this your first book that you've ever written? No, no. Um, before I came to Canada, I had written a, a couple of books. There is uh, Overcoming the Spirit of Anger and there is um, Overcoming Prayerlessness. Um, those two books I am working on kind of uh, republishing and remastering them for the North American audience. Now, um, um, they, they went out of publication and the publishing system then wasn't what it is now. Now you mm-hmm. have print on demand, but back then you had to print everything you ever wanted to sell mm-hmm. and then you start selling it or you look for it's a whole different to process today. Kind of story. So it's quite different now. So and, and, you know, the printing and publishing format, the ISBN number and all of that. Uh, so I'm going to rework all of those, but this this technically is my fourth book, two um, two prints and then one audio book. But I'm working on redoing all of them. Yeah, and so one more time for our audience, this book is titled "The Heart of a True Lover: An Exposition of the Song of Solomon," and it is available on Amazon. There's a link below. You guys can check that out as we're even listening to the podcast today. And so to ask you a little bit more about this book, where did you find the inspiration to write this book? Yeah, good question. Um, so the drama of my salvation did not end when I got saved. The first encounters I had with the Lord were God explaining the scriptures to me. Well, the first one was how Jesus called me because the vision I had when I was on the ground was separate. But after that, my the way God explained the scriptures to me was quite unique, you know, so um, I, I was reading the book of John. That's the book they told us to read when we gave our life to Christ. Start from John chapter one. You know, it was the book that helped you understand Jesus and all of that. But um, every night from the Friday after we, I got baptized with the Holy Ghost, every night from the Friday, I would dream. And, and it would be like I would hear a narration of the scriptures, but I would visualize a dramatization of the scriptures. And so in the next uh, one year, God explained like that three scriptures to me, or three books in the Bible to me. It was the book of Psalms was the first book, the book of John was the second book, of Songs of Solomon was the third book, and then the book of Proverbs was the fourth book. And so um, the fourth book, and and you would see if you get to read the book, you, you will see there was a little bit of a back and forth between me and God now, because then 
as a little boy, just about uh, in my teenage years, it was difficult to handle all that God was telling me about the book of Proverbs, the Songs of Solomon, I beg your pardon. It was so intense. It was so way out, out of my league, you know, and I was afraid. And here's the, and it was one book that was different from my forte, my passion, my calling. I, was, I felt I was called to be a revivalist. And then here's God talking to me about emotions, romance, love, and all of the relationships. So, um, so that's the first time the book came, but I, I, I got that. And I think one of the things that happened was from the way God explained things to me, I kind of had a, an expository gift deposited on me. So my, my, my natural understanding of the scripture is not just to read the latex and, or the, the uh, graph and, and grab it. I, I, I yearn for the logos or the rema part of the word. You know, mm -hmm. I, I want to always go deeper and I love the six dimensions of the scriptures and all that I can glean from it. So that became, I felt that that was what God did with those four books of the Bible. When he explained them to me like that, it just downloaded on me a gift of I yearn for expositions of the word of God. So when I study the Bible, I don't study just to hear what it says. I study to feel the mind of God. So mm -hmm. uh, that was the first inspiration for the book. And then in May this year, I was praying. I, was, I went up to Virginia. I went up to the prayer mountain in Virginia and I was just waiting on the Lord. I thought I was going to stay three, four days and just wait on the Lord because I was planting this project that I'm doing now. And, and the very first day, God said, no, I want you to write the book on relationship. By then, I had already finished writing a book on um, the identity code. And that book, and I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but it, I was looking at why identity is going to be changing. It's, and that's a prophetic thing for me. And that's why, you know, I, I went into a lot of things like the work identity, the, mm -hmm. you know, and I, just to explain where is, uh, the Antichrist would want to take the identity of Christ in man. And that's what that book was about. And I was passionate about it I, because it was prophetic. It was explaining a lot of the science and technological growth we're seeing today, explaining how the Antichrist would attack. It was explaining a lot of things and explaining why people are feeling the same, the ways they feel and all of that. And I felt this is a book that will get me into the political scene, will get me yeah. into a lot of, you know, radio and TV. And I was like, gong-ho for it. But the Lord said, no, that's not the book that is coming out. It's this one that is coming out. And I struggled and battled for three days, but he finally won. And I agreed, okay, I'll write the book. And he wanted me to finish writing it in 30 days and have it published before the end of the year. I might have failed a little bit because uh, it just got published December 5th but it's not live yet because there's a few things he had told me to do that I am just about by this weekend getting to do, but I've been working hard to get this book out the way he wanted me to get it out. And hopefully our audience today are hearing all of these things and they're checking out the book and it's exciting. I do want to ask another specific question about your time with the yeah. Lord. And so for our audience who are interested in, in getting a deep encounter from the Lord and exposition, like you're saying here, what does your time look like? Like, what do you do? What is your routine? Do you turn off all the devices? Do you get in a closet? Like practically, what does it look like for you when you seek the Lord for these deep moments like this? Wow. <laughs> so my first calling, my first passion is prayer. And I love praying. And I don't, I hope this is not tooting any haunts because there's no haunt to everything is on mute right now. But um, I, I strive to spend, no matter what my day is like, I try to spend four to six hours with the Lord in prayer. And I divide those, those hours into two. I divide them into um, the first group where I don't mind any interruption. So my phone, my, uh, if the TV, if, if there's a TV where I am, it's on, I could be somewhere else, not at home, but any interruption is allowed. Two hours of that, but the other two hours, 
is where I don't allow any form of interact, uh, uh, interruption. So my phone is off, my everything, everything is literally off. And if I don't feel a portal over where I am, I look for a portal. And by that, what I mean is sometimes we struggle in prayer because right where we are, there's a, a darkness or a, a blanket over the atmosphere and we don't really make connections with God. So I'll give you a good instance. In the book of Genesis, when the Bible says, that Adam and Eve heard the voice of God in the cool of the day and they hid. So I asked myself two questions. How come Adam, who was created in the image of God, the first man, could hide from God, but David, a sinner, who could not leave one-tenth the number of years that Adam could leave, figured out the revelation that I cannot hide from God. He said, where can I hide from your presence? If I yeah. take make my bed in the seas, you're there. If I fly up to the heavens, that's your abode and all of that. So what I felt was happening was he was in a place where he was shielded from the very presence of God. He was away from the cool of the day, signifying the place where God could respond to your effort. And that did not take away his ability to hear God. So every day of my life, I'm looking for that place. And sometimes people say, form your closet where you want to pray. But my closet is where I sense more of God in my house. So it could be right here it could be on any of those chairs it could be on the floor it could be in the washroom it could be anywhere but I, I i like when i'm praying i walk around and where i feel him that's where i stay and i camp and i i take my time there and I, you would be amazed i'll grab all my bibles and 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 i'm on the floor there or i get a chair and a table i move the chair and the table there and i'm sitting there and because i'm looking to, i want to be right under here the bible says in 91 psalms he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The secret place is somewhere you have to look for. And under mm -hmm. the shadow is somewhere you have to follow. You know, you look for the shadow. He, he moves, he, you move with him. And, and, and we need to be that sensitive. You know, don't get complacent on your bed. Don't get complacent on your table. Move where God wants you to move because these places inspire a, a proper reaction, a proper attitude in your prayer time and and leave the phone, leave the laptop, leave your iPad, leave everything that makes noise, shut it all down and just go spend some time with God and hear him and, and get his impact in your life. Yeah, thank you. This was not a question I planned on asking, but it's something I'm personally intrigued in. And I know if I'm intrigued, there's audience who are out there who are curious as well. So thank I you love it. I love it. for going a little deeper into it. that. And you have some statistics on your synopsis as well of relationships. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, there were some statistics that really just, um, as like I said, I love praying as an intercessor. I just kept on praying about it. I kept on praying. And then it was, that was one of the things when God began to open my eyes to those statistics, he said, Henry, how about if I tell you that this book will help change some of those? I said, God, don't give me big dreams. I can't, that I can't, you know, and he said, well, it's up to you to dream. It's not for me to dream. You know, we've got to do the dream. We're always afraid of our dreams doing what God said he would do. But all he wants from us is the dream. You know, if, you know, Ephesians 3.20, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ever ask or imagine or dream about. That's all you have to do, dream. And, and sometimes your dreams might be too big, but it's his responsibility if your dreams line up with his will that he will accomplish them. So some of those statistics just really blew me away. So for instance, the one of the ones that really, I think I saw an Israeli study that said only 20% of Christians who got married felt that their marriage helped their spiritual work with God. Only 20%. That shocked me. So what are you getting married for? <laughs> what are you, you know, that, uh, that, that, that one was the one that really just broke me. I think there was this other one, which, you know, is just a slight variation from the ones we had in the 90s or early 2000s. 
51% um, um, of people, of Christians who got married, got into a divorce. Non-Christians was 49.7%. So there was more divorce in the house of God than outside the house of God. That was shocking. And what do you think is the reason for that? Do you think it's the enemy is just really trying to divide? What, what do you think? It's a play of be? about five, six factors, which I all, I looked at in the book. It's a play mm -hmm. of, about, of about five, six factors. And there are some of them that are really good. You know, the devil sees the opportunity of just very good things about us. So, for instance, um, there are many Christians who have left relationships because the relationship affects their work with the Lord. Hello, you see what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. he cash, catches, in, catches in on our good mind, our spirituality, and then, you know, uh, you, you were not a strong believer when you were dating a non-believer, and then you went ahead, married him, moved in with him, and everything, had children with him, but all of a sudden, now there's an anointing of God. When you're praying, he wakes up and says, woman, you're making noise, and all of a sudden, after years of enduring that, you feel like you want to leave, so there's more on believers. There's a lot of pressure on believers. You know, when the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever, if you give an unbeliever the basic things he wants in a relationship, he will stay. But if you give a believer the basic things he needs or she needs in a relationship, she would endure it or he would endure it. It would be endurance for them. And over time, their best decision would be, I think I should move. And there are three people. There are those who think they can move and move on and get into a new relationship. There are those who think they can move, move on and not get into a new relationship. And there are those who think they can, should not move at all. So imagine if any of these three moved, what happened, you know? So that's why we had more breakups, more breakups. There's another thing. Um, we don't date, or we date, but it's against our Lord. It's against, it's not righteous to, to engage in romance before marriage, mm -hmm. you know? And so there was, there's a lot more pressure on us to be married, to do the legal thing, the righteous thing, to enjoy intimacy in relationship. Meanwhile, in the world, you would have people moving and they're not married. So technically, you're not counting the fact that they are not married. So if they break up, you can't count it because there's no legal proof that they were married. You know, So the more, there are no people who have had six, seven children before they think, I have someone around me who is now thinking of getting married after having grandchildren. Hello. Mm -hmm. so, so those numbers don't count for them. But because in our heart, we want to do it the God way, we want to do it the right way, we think of getting married. And once we get married, we become a statistic. That's, that's what happened there. So like I said, there's a lot of factors to count. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of factors. Do you have one more statistic just to, to give us for today? Okay, so one more. Um, maybe there's this one that uh, would shock a lot of believers. 60 to 63, 64, I'm trying to be sure of the number, 60 to 63 or 65% of Christians who uh, got married and divorced are saying that if they can try it again, they will, but if they cannot, they will not look at marriage again. So let me explain that. So they are willing to remarry, but they are at a point in their life that one more failure is a sign that they should not even think about it again. You know, so so what that does is a lot of things. Number one, it already it's like you signed a prenuptial before your second attempt. You know, that means yeah. you know you're you're like mm -hmm. second guessing your second attempt. That's one. Secondly, what that means is that even in the second attempt or without a second attempt, your mindset about the covenant of marriage is beginning to be altered by the devil. And, and one of the things that the devil has succeeded in doing is to alter the mindset of, of relationships. And I'm sure there is a question that will help make me answer, say what my, the difference between my book and other relationship books are, because um, that's one of my silent and salient points in writing this book. And what could we learn from this book, Song of Solomon? Because you're here today talking about this, an exposition of this book. 
And so why is this book so important for our lives in relationships and other areas in our life as well? So uh, I'm not married. Uh, and so you can imagine I was struggling with the Lord. I, 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 I've been in marriage circles. I was married before. Um, so, and it's difficult for a divorcee to, to want to be an expert in relationships. Mm -hmm. And so one of the first things the Lord had to deal with is to bring me to a place where I said, I'm not a marriage expert. You don't sell books saying you're not a marriage expert. You know, you don't, you know, but I'm not looking to sell books. I'm not, I know God would do what he wants to do, but I, I'm going about it spiritually. I'm not going the way the world goes. Uh, you know, I, um, I know one of the interviews, they said, we're going to ask you about your credentials and you need to prove your credibility in this topic and stuff like that. And, and the truth about it is that I don't have any, and I'm sorry to say that, you know, yeah. um, and, and uh, my only boast is in the word of the Lord, is in what God has spoken. If you read this book and you hear the voice of God speaking, that's all I want. That's all I want. One of the things that God had to do to convince me about this book was, he asked me a question. He said, who, who are your top three influencers when it comes to relationship in the Bible? And I thought about this was the very first day, um, May 1st, 2022. I was in Virginia on the mountain. And I said, hmm, good question, Lord. You know, and I was like pondering over 12 hours. I was waiting on the, no, sorry. I, I felt, I got that answer immediately. And I said, um, my top five, he said, no, top three. So I had to narrow it down because I had five people in the Bible that influenced me about relationships. So I looked at, I said, okay, well, top three, let's start with Jesus, of course, number one. And then number two, Paul, the apostle. He wrote a lot of all the laws in the New Testament that we have about marriage and all of that. And then number three, Solomon. Solomon wrote Proverbs 31, where we get what we call characteristics of a good wife. Mm -hmm. And he writes a lot about good relationships all through the Song of Solomon, especially also in Ecclesiastes. You do find a lot of wisdom that would help people in life and help them in marriage. So I said, those are my top three. And then he said, what, are, what is the one factor that is common among all the three of them? This was where I spent 12 hours waiting and seeking God's face, 6 a.m. in the morning to 6 p.m. And then when I felt I finally had an answer, I went to him. I said, God, I'm not sure about this answer, but I think the problem is that all of them had a weird testimony about their relationship and marriage. And he said, bingo. I was like, mm -hmm. the first thing the Lord said to me was, you're in good company. And I'm like, oh, God, this is not a good thing mm -hmm. to tell me. But I understood where he was going. And, and, and so it's strange that we take marriage instructions from a man who never got married. We can't do that now. We don't do that now. We take marriage instructions from Jesus who never experienced any relationship or Solomon. If Solomon were in a board of marriage counselors and he gets up to talk, we'll tell him, hey, sit down. We know who you are. Yeah. 700 wives, 700 compromise, yeah. and you want to talk about marriage? Hey, shut up, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and and but that's why I said God brought me to the place of dying. I didn't want to be in that crowd. I don't want to be like Solomon. And I don't know, no, no, no. because in our mind, one of the first things marriage counselors say is they point to the and they can say, here's my wife. Or if it's a woman, you say, here's my husband. We've been married for, and you wait for it, wait for it, drum roll, do, 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 55 years. Woo! Yeah. You know, and, and that left in me a mindset of failure, a mindset that I can't hear God in certain mm -hmm. areas. And, and that was just so wrong. And God had to break me down, broke me, and, and get me to surrender to all that. And he fixed me to be able to write the book. Uh, and so that's one of the things you're going to see. If you are in a box, then get ready to be offended by this book. Because there's so many things I say, and I, I quote scriptures for everything I say. I execute at least 400 verses of scripture. How many relationship books can boast about that? 320 mm -hmm. pages 
over 400 scriptures. And I don't mean just quote, I mean go to the scriptures and explain it. Almost what, when I say exposition, exposition is when you take every word in a verse of a scripture and say what it means. So literally that's what I do, especially for the Song of Solomon. I take almost every word. This book is chapter one of Song of Solomon. Chapter one has 17 verses. And this book has 17 chapters. So each chapter in my book is one verse in the Song of Solomon, chapter one. And mm -hmm. I literally, the, the, the smallest chapter in my book, which is maybe chapter seven and chapter eight, which is verse seven and verse eight, are four or five pages in the book. There is a chapter that is almost 40 pages in the book. So when I say exposition, it's not just explaining something. And in each verse, I quote at least 15, 10 to 15 scriptures, other scriptures from other portions of the Bible open any relationship book and see how many scriptures you would mm -hmm. see. And not just a quoting, but like a reference to it, a cross-referencing, an explanation, and a, a deep in-depth, an in-depth in dive to it. This is what this book brings to you. So if, if you're looking for the voice of the Lord that will speak to you, then this book is it. One more thing I'll say, relationship gurus or relationship experts or even the world and even some of Christian relationship guidance tells you that to, to have a good relationship, fix what you do. Yeah, That's what they tell you. So even the love languages are what you do. To have a good relationship, communication. If you have communication problem, how do you communicate? And so we try to teach people the fruit of their words to fix it. But what God told me to do or what he wants to do with this book is what he called bridal identity. And so this book seeks to, instead of fixing how you talk, to fix who you are. I'm not going to struggle with how you talk. You don't ever change a shadow. The shadow is a reflection of the image that is casting that shadow. The light hits it. So don't struggle trying to, you know, I had this very weird experience recently. Uh, uh, somebody who was trying to get me to give them counseling about some things in this book said to me, uh, people hate me because of the atmosphere around me. And I find out that's why men can't stay around me a lot. And and, and they, they just go away. And I've discovered that I can't keep fighting. If they want to go away, let them go away. And then I said, okay, let's see if we can fix that. Mm -hmm. And then the first thing we realized was that if that is your mindset, if you keep saying, I need somebody to love me for who I am, then you're going to miss it because who you are right now is not who God intends for you to be. You're going to be someone better tomorrow. And so people marry you for two reasons. They marry you or love you for the Christ that is in you and for the future that Christ has in you. None of us is ever perfect now. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that when we see him, we shall be like him. So there's an ever-increasing progression of who we are. And it should be in the direction of being better. Proverbs 4, verse 17, I think the light, the, uh, the life of the righteous is like the light of dawn, shining brighter until. So there's an increment of our glory. Isaiah 61, arise, shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen, and you shall shine like the noonday. So there's an increase of our glory, our light, our virtue, our, our, our holiness, our righteousness, our, our character, our personality. There's an increase. And so over the years, I can look at you and believe that tomorrow you're going to be a way better person because of the Christ that is in you. And I can trust God for that. Your insurance in a good relationship is not the person, is the Christ in the person. That's mm. one of the things I try to say in this book. If you, okay, so let me say this. This was one of the things I really, I, I enjoyed it. 
One of the greatest excuses, I may ask you, Dallas, what do you think is the greatest excuse for divorce? I've heard statistics, money is a huge problem. Good. So you're going in that direction. But let me tell you what I was looking for. If you look at all divorce papers, the greatest, the one that is beyond every other one is irreconcilable difference. Mm. So let me ask you this question. How come two people who are looking to be like one man have irreconcilable differences? I want to be like Jesus. You want to be like Jesus. But we can't be together because we are too different. And for that, let's part ways. This is one of the things God wanted me to change with this book. That if, if we both want to be like someone, that means I am not who I am and you're not who you are, but we are both somebody that we both love, then why break up? Because the mindset of relationship is that we always turn towards personality, character, and identity. We even gauge at the gate, we buy security and put at the gate of our emotions these personality checks. Are you an IMDGB or are you an FFKQ, whatever? And I'm not criticizing all of that. But Paul said, when I came to you, I did not ask any question. I did not seek anything except Christ in you. Yeah. We've missed that in relationships. Mm, very well said. Everything you just said, it needs to be played back over and over and over for our people in 2023, because this is something we need to hear. We don't need another relationship book that's just going to give you someone's idea, someone's, this is how you do it. This is what the quick fix. No, we need scripture. And your book is giving us that, an exposition of the Song of Solomon, the divine word of God. And Henry, a little bit more, you were talking about the divorce rates. Let's talk a little bit more about in relationship, maybe looking for relationship. What is the biggest mistake that people make? I have five mistakes that I think are the most, but I don't know <laughs> okay. that Go ahead. I don't know Go that I can them. single it down to or narrow it down to which one I think is the worst one. But let me let me start. Let me give you one name that would characterize maybe two or three of the first mistakes that I think we make a lot. And that is foundational. Foundational mistakes are mistakes we make. The Bible says in Psalm 11, verse 3, I think, uh, if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And so one of the first things God told me was, if we are having these kinds of problems in our relationship, what do you think needs to be fixed? And it didn't take me long to figure out foundation. And so one of the first things he told me was that the Song of Solomon is a relationship pattern that will fix foundation. And so let me give you two or three mistakes we make in the foundation. We think that the man should chase the woman. Boom. Yeah, I probably that's, just that's... made a lot of enemies now. <laughs> yeah, now you definitely have to explain that the man what you mean by the that. Woman. In fact, I, one of the interviews I went to, and this was just how God worked it out. One of the last interviews I did, the, the, the interviewer was asking me questions. And then I said this, that I don't see anywhere in the Bible where the Bible says the man should chase the woman. And he said, what about where the Bible says, you know, if a man findeth a wife? I said, it says, if you find. It doesn't say if you chase and get. Mm -hmm. You can't chase what you haven't seen. God expects you to only chase that person after yeah. you found the person. If your protocol of finding a wife is to chase, the tendency is you engage your emotions, then you chase, 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 you get. And then by the time you get, that's now when you try to feel tight with the word of God, find out who the person is. And before you know it, sometimes you don't feel, you feel that that's wrong. But what's happening is that you've engaged your emotions. And so all the heartbreaks and all the failures are counted because you've engaged your emotions. What I say from the Song of Solomon, and praise God, this is in the very first chapter, chapter 1, verse 7, 8, and 9, is I show that God says, track 
the people you're looking for. And first of all, the issue about tracking, I, there's, I don't know if I sent you a link about tracking. That, that video is amazing. You should watch it. But the, the, the tracking is, so for this book, God made me, I went to a, a tracker, a professional tracker and spent three days with him. And he taught me what it is to track an animal. And so in the video, I, I have a blog where I post a little comment about the book. And I, I you know, one of the first things God said, I want you to learn to track. You don't activate your senses. God wants you to activate your senses. How come we, Christianity is growing. We are getting more sensitive to the spirit of God, but our sensitivity to the spirit of God is not helping us decipher properly who the mind of God is for us. Because we wait for our emotions to be activated in the area of relationship before our senses. We go by emotions before senses. So we fall in love before we try checking people out. And so yeah. by the time we find out whether the person is right or wrong, we're already in love or we've said, okay, so mm -hmm. what that means is you're falling in love with more people before you find out whether God is in it or not. And sometimes you find out whether God is in it or not after you've been married. Sad. But God said in his word, and I, can, I have more than 20, 25 scriptures that prove you track who God wants for you. You shut down your senses and track. You shut down your emotions and track. And the purpose for that is that while tracking, your senses are activated. In the Song of Solomon chapter 1, the woman says in verse 7, she says, tell me where you feed your flock so that I may follow you. And some version says, track you and be in your vicinity. Why should I be a veiled person? In the midst of your strangers, there's so much there that I can unpack, but I don't want, we don't have the time. Maybe another day we'll, I'll come in and we'll do more. But, but, but in the Amplified Version, in verse 8, some people respond to her and say, if you don't know where your lover is, track him. Yeah. Follow the footsteps of his goats. His goats are bigger, they have wider legs because he's mm -hmm. been in the business for a long time. Track him and find where he is. And she begins a process of figuring out bigger legs, footprints on the ground. Let me see. And then she finds where he is. That's why she could say our bed is green because she finds him in green pasture by a well feeding his sheep. And one of the things I pull out from there is this, that four weddings take place in the Bible at a well. Four weddings. Jacob, his wife was brought to him at a well. You know, when he was traveling, he got there, he saw Rachel, fell in love with Rachel. Rachel gave him water for his animals or sheep. And then he got to the house, said, okay, I'll work seven years for Rachel. Same thing with Isaac. Isaac, like that, the same thing. Moses, when he was running away, came to a place and he saw some uh, people fighting the woman and he fought them off. And then they gave him water to drink. He went to the house of their father and finally walked for that girl. And then Jesus in John chapter four met the uh, Samaritan woman at a well. Mm -hmm. There's something about a well. And what I talk about the well is that's where men come to feed their flock, but that's where women come to get water. And it's always the women that get the water for the men, always in all of the scriptures. And what I say is this, if you track the foot, the steps of who God is sending you to, he will bring you to a well where they have a need because of the work they are doing. Don't forget in the book of Genesis, God brought Eve to Adam because of the work he was doing. He had no help. It's at the well that he brings his need. And he says, I need to be watered and my animals need to be watered. 
And then God brings a woman and gives her virtue, the character that says, I want to water you and water your animals. And I want to go beyond that. I water everything else around you. You show benevolence after you've tracked to yeah. somebody, not because that person is who you want to marry, but ultimately that person falls in love with you because you are now serving the role that God intended for them in your life. And ultimately you get married. The only time it did not work out was in John chapter four. She refused to give water to Jesus and it protracted until she finally submitted. Jesus said, go bring your husband. She said, I have no husband. Good question, because the Lord is about to wed the Gentile church. That's where the first gospel ever left the Jer Jerusalem. He went and preached to a woman at a well. And isn't it symbolic? Nothing in the Bible is, you know, by chance or accidental. Everything is God ordained. And I hope that makes difference to your understanding. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing those, those relationship mistakes, because I think some of those are very important. And those are things that we're not hearing people say today. Right, they're saying the other other issues are the biggest problem, but this is very unique. What would you say is the overall point for us to understand from your time here today and your book as well? The overall driving home point. Well, I, I don't know that I I want to zero it down because first of all, the book tries to solve a lot of problems, you know, and I don't look at I don't have a list of problems that need to be solved, but God is answering <laughs> questions, and I'm like, wow. Now I understand why that is happening, you know, that kind of a thing. And all of them are very important. But the one that rises above all for me is what I would call the bridal identity. And then yeah, again, that, it, it that links just up sounds to the, beautiful. That just sounds, yeah. we are the bride of Christ. We need to remember that. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that just links up again. Because I, like I said, I just came out of writing a book on identity, which I called Identity Code. And so the bridal identity kind of seems to just stem up. And one of the strange things I read that I read from, the Song of Solomon is I found out that this woman just had, there were areas of her life where she just took the right steps and there were areas of her life where she made a few mistakes and corrected them immediately. And the, the speed at which she corrected them was like the mirror for what God was showing me and saying about the bridal identity. We need to come into the place where we are carrying an identity. We're not carrying mannerisms or we have to be a good husband if we are doing this or we have to be good wives by doing certain things we carry the identity of christ which is the perfect if christ is in us then you're perfect in every situation because he is perfect and that's where i think god wants to work most on the identity of the bride we are the bride of christ and i believe that the last temptation of the church would be on the bride on the bridal personality like i look into the story of the virgins the 10 virgins um, five were called foolish and five were called wise. But guess what? They were all virgins. <laughs> they were all virgins. That means they all qualified. There was something, I was a deeper level of an identity that where they all started falling or failing or succeeding. And so the bridal identity to me is what rises. And that's what God wants to fix. You know, God, I'm, God I wasn't looking to change how, what you do in marriage. I was looking to change who you are in marriage. You know, um, love is not, um, I, I want to give you a very powerful illustration on this. Love does not give you an example of patience. Love says it is patient. Mm. That is the identity of love. It is patient. God wants you to be patient. And if, if, if God had given us an example of patience, we would restrict love to an example of patience. But love is patient, love is kind, love is gentle, suffering long, love, the, you know, all of those are definitions of an identity. 
not a character. So God wants us to revert back to identity-minded relationships than character-minded. Um, as long as we are character-minded in relationships, we keep failing. We keep failing. And one final question for you today. What do you think God has for us in 2023 mm. as believers? I've heard wow. some interesting, not, uh, interesting <laughs> words about it. So I, I got to ask. I love that question. I love, I love that question. So let me start by saying, with regards to relationship, I, I'm praying that a lot of people get married this year. I'm praying that a lot of people get married this year. And here's, I, I need to say this, maybe prophetic to somebody who is watching. Simplify it. I know you want to make it a memorable day. I know you're looking to save about $10,000 to be able to do it. But begin to tell the Lord you want to execute it as soon as possible. Put your marriage in the bag for you because relationship is going to be very important to survive where we're going and what's about to come. Uh, one will chase 1,000, two will chase 10,000. The power of corporate anointing is to chase 10,000, not 2,000. And so marriage is important and, and, and stop putting it uh, off you know, to a later time. Um, I'm not saying God's time is now for you, but begin to seek God's face and make it priority in your life especially if you uh, put away pornography, put away uh, uh, evil concupiscence, put away all kinds of lying, put away living in, put away sleeping around, put away all of those things. And I'm not saying marriage kills all of those, but that's, that, that's a gate and license to deal with all of those things. We're in the end times, you are looking to purify your garment. One of the major stains on the white garment of the bride is the stain of immorality. And that needs to be taken care of. If we fix marriages, fix relationships, we fix that major stain on, on our lives. And a lot of the people who have fallen, check them, they have either a, 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 a co-conspirator or a silent partner. They don't, have an, they don't have a woman of God or a man of God in their lives who wakes up at night and lays hand on them and say, you can't steal church money, you can't be proud. You know, If you have a woman praying for you, if you have a man praying for you, a gift from God, yeah. You see how that affects a lot of other things too. Malachi chapter 4, verse 4, 5, and 6 says, In those days, which is 2023, part of the end times, he will send his messenger, his prophet, and he shall turn the hearts of the children to the children, turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, the hearts of the children to their fathers, and the hearts of all to one another. That is fixing relationship. Right there in John chapter 16, he looked at John and Mary and he said, Woman, behold your son, son. Behold your mother. And he established relationships. He fixed a relationship because he knew he was leaving them in perilous times. If we want to survive what's about to come, relationships are very important. I don't want to scare people by talking about the spirit of death that is going to be unleashed. The devil has a lot of plans, but God is above all. One of the things God is going to be doing is, is sending us into good relationships, which is very, very important mm -hmm. to survive where we're going. So we're praying for marriages that God will make it deeper. God didn't just bring you together so you have children and great-grandchildren and have a good finance and all of that. Part of the reason why you were brought together is so that when you stretch out one hand, there's a corporate anointing to break the, the, the bands of hell, to break the gates of hell, to stand against principalities and powers. And I'm sure something is about to happen in that area. In our churches, revival is going to break out because part of the drain on revival, part of the drain on our prayer life is all the distractions of life. John, James chapter 4, from, from verse 1. From whence cometh your wars, come they not from your lusting that worried in your members. All of those distractions. When you get a good partner, you settle a lot of it. There's going to be a lot of distractions this year, a lot of debt, a lot of 
um, but a lot of breakthrough spiritually, a lot of revival in homes, in the homes, in the house. It's God is leaving the four corners of the church. And I'm sorry to say that there's going to be a lot of revivals in our houses. And for that to take place, there's going to be a good husband and wife, a good relationship, a good relationship between everybody. That's one of the reasons why I'm passionate about this book. Yeah. Henry, thank you so much. I feel like I could listen to you for two more hours of all of the yeah, things sorry. that you're saying. It's just, much, no, no, no. It's a well. You're just releasing, releasing, releasing. You can tell that you've spent time with the Lord and it's genuine. And I really do appreciate all the things you share today for our audience. I and I just that. want to say for our audience as well, just as a quick testimony, I am 25 years old. I am a missionary in Brazil and my wife is Brazilian. I, I'm an American. I came here to serve in missions and I met my wife here. We have a son who is now nine months old and it is exactly what I want. The things you're saying, I'm just so grateful because I have that. I have that woman that's staying up. No, Dallas, let's do it like this. You're doing it like she holds me closer to God. And I'm so grateful for that. And so for those people who are out there looking for a spouse who is who is going to bring you closer to the Lord. Oh, man, the, I can't I don't even have the words to explain the blessings that are in that are so incredible. And so the things that you're saying for us today, Henry, don't settle. Don't settle for someone who's not a believer. If you're dating someone who's not following the Lord as you are, or as you're called to, come mm. on, there's no time. There's no time to to follow into that. And one thing that I love to preach when I'm here in Brazil is talking about Luke chapter 15, how Jesus loves the lost people. And we, we, if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to know where Jesus is going. And he's going to the lost people. And so I always use this illustration of my wife and I. We found out we have the same destination. I didn't ask her to marry me the first time I saw her, even though I wanted to be with her. I didn't ask her because I didn't know her destination yet. But once I figured out, yes, you love Jesus. I love Jesus. You want to be a missionary? Me too. Wow. We we have the same destination. Let's get married. And ever since then, we've been able to do ministry together as a husband and wife. Wow. I'm preaching in English. She's translating in Portuguese so the people in the church can hear wow. it. I mean, there's so many things. I'm feeling it right now. I'm feeling the Holy Spirit. Man, God has good things for you. And so, Henry, thank you so much for everything that you shared for our audience today. I'm I'm lit up. I can't wait to tell my wife about all the things we talked about. And for our audience to listen to this and to check out your book as well. One more time, where can we find your book, Henry? So it's on Amazon, it's on Google Books, it's on Apple Books, it's on in, uh, Ingram Sparks. But if you go to my website, which is one of the things I said was delaying a little bit, if you go to my website uh, named after the book, theheartofatruelover.com, and buy a copy there, I'll send you a signed copy. And I will also send you one page of a personal uh, word to you. This is I'm not going to copy and paste for everybody. I'm going to speak, pray over your name, and then give you a word from God. Uh, so I'm using my prophetic gift in the area of relationship, but I'm going to give you a personal word uh, from the Lord with regards to relationship, marriage, or just whatever God drops in my spirit. That is if you buy it from my website, the heart of a lover.com. Otherwise, it's already live on Amazon. It's uh, on Google Books. It's on Apple Books. It's on Instagram. Facts. Amazing. Henry, again, thank you so much for joining us today. If I can have you end with a prayer, I would really appreciate it. Yeah, sure. Let's pray. Let's let, let's just get into the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for, for who you are. Thank you for your grace. And I, I just want to concentrate a little bit on people who are struggling right now. If you're struggling, I'm praying for you that the Spirit of God will begin to show you light. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And some of you are struggling in just hearing the voice of God. And I begin to speak to you right now. 
that direction becomes clear in your life in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Some of you are struggling because you're all alone. The, the, the forces against you are like 10,000 and you're still alone chasing 1,000 and you need somebody to partner up, whether in friendship or relationship or covenant partnership or marriage. Uh, I, I'm releasing you into a season right now of connecting with people in your life. I release your, your destiny helpers over you right now. I release women to walk to the well to find you in need of water. I release men to come to the well in need of water so you can serve them. I release what is needed in your life right now. I switch you into a season by the anointing of God of meeting the right people in your life, meeting people that will open doors for you, meeting people that will help you enter into new places, meeting people that would help you with no strings attached, even meeting people that will ultimately become life mates. I release that over you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And there are some of you that you have all of it, but there's just something missing and you feel something is missing. You can feel it. Some of you, what is missing is a vibrant, alive relationship with the Lord. You are praying and you're seeking, you're studying the word, you're going to church, but you feel a dryness. I command an end to your dryness right now in the name of Jesus. I release you into a season of the reign of the Most High, a reign of the Holy Ghost. Receive it in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Wow. 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 In Jesus' name. Wow. I'm just, there's just so much I could say I could do, but thank you, God. You're just such a good God. You're such a good God. There's a woman, you're having complications with your pregnancy. I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, don't be afraid. You will have this child. It's a boy. It's going to be big. That's it. But don't be afraid. And you are afraid of uh, uh, having normal pregnancy. You are afraid of the pain and all of that. God says, just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And you are afraid of the epidural. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And I think one of your problems is that the man is not available. The man is not there. I just speak peace and grace into your life right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. There's a man, you're, you're looking for a job. Because of your family, you need to take care of your family. You just got back into your marriage and, and God just fixed your relationship. I'd love to hear from all these people if it's possible. But I'm hearing God say, I'm fixing it. You're going to get a job. I think you're scheduled for an interview, I think, in the coming week. God is going to get open that door for you in the name of Jesus Christ. Wow, there's just so much. But I'm going to stop here. I'm going to stop here. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You've just listened to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast with your host, Pastor Chris Busher. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.